0: The day was November the 12th, 1960, and as a young boy, I took a trip that would uh, change my entire life. I left my home country of Cuba as a political refugee, and entered the gates of this great country on that afternoon at 4:20, arriving in international airport in Miami. So every year on November the 12th at 3.20 central time. I have a, a kind of a private celebration. It's too early to drink, so um, I try to do something else with, to celebrate that particular event. So it's been uh, you know, 50, gonna be 58 years pretty soon. And I had a difficulty that first night in eating because we did not have uh, the language with which to order a hamburger. We had never heard the words French fries. Uh, uh, We did not know about a shake. Uh, We knew Coke, yeah, that we did, so we could always get that verbally, but we had to point at things to eat. And later on, we began to learn the language. And one of the things that helped me a lot in learning the language, playing football for Coral Gables High School in, in the Miami area, because, When you got in the huddle, you didn't have time to go through the process that we, a lot of Cubans, were going through in communicating with people. And it went this way. You said something to me. I received it in English. I translated it in Spanish so I could comprehend. Then I would formulate in Spanish an answer. I would translate it into English and I would speak it. Okay, so when was the last time that you, on the news, you hear, So Bill, how's the hurricane going? Oh, Jack is going okay. You know know that, that dead time in between? That's how dull we were to converse with. There was just no quick comeback. So I learned that you could not do that in the huddle. So in the huddle when you were told to play such as Pro Left X 82 on second set, I did not have time to do that. So it sped up my brain, if you will. Now I'll tell you that because if you were not in the huddle at the Coral Gables High School team, you would not know what those words meant. And that is the same way that the book of Revelation is written. It's a playbook full of symbols and full of things that if you were not in the inside, if you were not part of the way of Christ, you would not know written specifically to keep those who were persecuting the Christians from understanding what the book was saying to them. So condensing more than one hour worth of lecture, I want to go through the pre-chapter seven, which is the reading for today. We need to put it in context. And I promise to get you out of here at least by two in the afternoon. This book is written for seven churches that are in the area of Asia Minor. This, this is the area that Paul has visited, that Peter has visited, some of the other apostles have visited, and people's minds and ways of life have changed, but now something has happened. They have a mixed history, if you will, with God. They begin in a good way and now God has something to say about their behavior. Let me give you two examples. The church in Ephesus, God says you were wonderful in loving each other and in loving those that came to you, but you have lost that love. You're now selfish. Repent and return to that love. That's one example. The other one is Thyatira. In Thyatira, they were wonderful in bringing people in, in staying the course, if you will, with what they had been taught. But then God says, but you're now supporting and sheltering Jezebel, who is a false prophetess. You must be rid of her. Those are two examples, two out of seven. And some of the other ones are, perhaps you could understand them to be worse, and some not too bad, and so on. But God is saying, you've derailed yourself, get back on. And that is why the book is written. So those are the first three chapters. See how quickly we read those? Boom, now we're chapter four. And things begin to happen. We're introduced to the four living creatures. Now, a lot of times when Revelation is uh, tried to be uh, explained, it, it works under a shroud of mystery and uh, spookiness. But let's de- de- again, let's debunk that. The four living creatures, what do they look like? A lion, an ox, like a face of a human, and an eagle. Four. If you look at the four traditional symbols of the four gospels, you will find those four. So what John is writing about is that the four living creatures are the four Gospels. They're living, they're telling us what to do, how to live, and how to reach salvation. And these four living creatures praise God day and night, constantly, ongoing. Now, chapter five, we find the scroll. The scroll is introduced with seven seals along with a slaughtered lamb, and then, these living creatures begin to sing a song for the Lamb which sets up a relationship, if you will, between the Lamb and the scroll. And it goes this way. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slaughtered and by your blood you ransomed for God saints from every tribe and language and people and nation You have made them to be a kingdom of priests serving our God, and they will reign on earth. So the Lamb is worthy to open the scroll, to break the seals. And in this chapter, and into chapter seven, six of the seals are broken, the fifth seal shows us something that begins to get us close to chapter seven, and that is that under the altar shows all the martyrs, all the believers who were slaughtered for believing in the way of Jesus. They're given white robes, and thinking that they're done, they're told, no, no, wait, because not all have been slaughtered yet. Imagine that sit tight more people have to die before you can go before you can be set free And at the same time at the end of chapter 5 all the powerful all the kings all the presidents all the rich all those along with their staff if you will their slaves and the free staff and all that they hide they run away and they hide in the hills and the caves hoping that the caves would crash on them and they would be killed. Now we come to chapter seven, what we read today. Okay, so you're you're right there now. The slaughtered are waiting and here we go. The world changes at the beginning of chapter seven. The four living creatures Four angels, if you will, hold all four winds. So the earth is still. And we've noticed the stillness here. We call that what? The calm before the storm. So it is calm. And then from the east, the same place that the sun rises, here comes an angel bringing light into the darkness wearing the seal, bringing the seal of the living God. Now what is he talking about? The seal of the living God. The seal of the living God is kind of like a signet ring. And we've seen those, Hollywood has been very good about that. When the king is sending a proclamation, they melt wax and those like that. And you know that that is credible and authentic. And those of us who remember this, would do that with a little kit that you would buy at the five and dime and, you know, do that same thing. I had a, a, a puppy love one time, in the summer, she would send me letters with uh, the, the seal that said, Swack. seal with a kiss, isn't that sweet? Until she found somebody else. <laughs> now, when do we find these seals? The first and foremost that we think the most about Remember the blood in the doorposts at Exodus? And God said, If you put the blood there, I'll pass you over. The destroyer will not take care of you, know, kill you. So that's the big one. So that's the sign. It's the sign for the Lord to know. The second one that I want to share with you is Isaiah. In Isaiah, when the name of the Lord will be written on the hand of those who will be saved. And lastly, Ezekiel, Ezekiel is asked by God to uh, uh, put a, a mark on the foreheads of those who suffer. When do we seal people in the church now? In baptism, we call the person by name, we make the son of the cross on the forehead, and we say, Johnny, you're sealed by the Holy Spirit in baptism and marked as Christ's own forever. It goes right back to here. So we do that. And then those who are marked, according to John's writing, are 144,000. Now that can be misleading because people think, well, only 144,000 are sealed, only 144,000 will be saved. Now that formula is arrived by multiplying the tribes, the 12 tribes, by 12,000. But that is not the only number. That is not a valid calculator produced number. It's a number of completeness. In other words, you remember those who were slaughtered were waiting for more to be slaughtered. Now that number is complete. Nobody else is gonna be slaughtered. Now I have a very sad story to tell you about how 144,000 can be misleading. And I was attending to a family who had lost a daughter in a car accident. The parents were divorced and I was at mom's house and the father comes in from out of town and we meet, we do whatever we can do at that time. And as I'm leaving to get in my car, the father chases me out And he is saddened by his belief that because his daughter was not part of their denomination, she was not in the 144,000, so she was not going to be saved. Can you imagine condemning your own daughter? See, he missed. He missed what follows. And what follows is this. After this, John writes, I see a multitude that cannot be numbered. They're all dressed in white robes, carrying palms and praising God. That's where you and I are. That's where we belong. These people are defined as having gone through the ordeal. In an earlier translation, of the Bible, it was called tribulation. We've been washed in the blood of the Lamb and now can come before the throne of God. Okay, let's put that to, to today, because we're in that group. As the song says, you know, when the saints come marching in, I wanna be in that number. We've gone through the ordeal. We came into Jerusalem with Jesus riding on a donkey, Three days later, he is betrayed, beaten, hung on a cross to die. Then the the world becomes dark. We have no answer to anything we ask. We're lost, we're devastated. And then on Sunday, we rejoice in the resurrection. So it is with this group. They've gone through the ordeal. They've been washed in the blood of the Lamb and now they come out on the other side wearing a white robe, the white robe of salvation. So our deliverance and victory over darkness has been possible by the death and resurrection of Jesus, the Lamb of God. So now we're washed, we have white robes on, and then we're able to approach the throne of God, the altar of God. So we're doing the same thing that the saints did back then. So I wanna say to you that this code book, this playbook that was written, that seems to be a mystery to many, is for us, our marching orders as a triumphant church. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen.